Don't you hate it when they give you a disclaimer before the podcast? I know I do. Don't skip by. I've got a good reason. We talk every week about After Hours. That's our Patreon subscriber-based extra episode that you can get every week. This week's episode with guest Harold Ramos, we talk about some changes that are happening behind the scenes to the podcast. And one of them is we've got a bunch of new equipment. New mixer, one of us got a brand new microphone, and something happened. I don't know if it's a mixer issue, I don't know if it's this new microphone interacting with the other two microphones, but when we all talk in unison, it gets a little compressed, a little choppy. So I edited those pieces out as best I could, but you're going to get to a couple points where it gets a little compressed sounding. We'll fix that before next week. Keep with it, it just lasts a couple of seconds until the other two of us shut up. And then the rest of the audio works real well. Every time Harold comes on, it elevates the conversation, so you're not going to want to miss the episode. And now just a quick plug. If you aren't on our After Hours, consider doing it this week. The conversation is wonderful. Patreon.com slash Beer in a Movie Podcast. And now I'm going to open a beer and turn on this movie projector. Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Dave Gurney. I'm here, as always, with Joe Hilliard. And we have a great third guest in the studio this evening. The beer's going to be immaculate. A, a guy who I'm always excited because he is a cultured man. He is a lover of the arts. A wonderful uh, artist himself in the kitchen, and he always has the best beer with him. Harold Hello. Ramos. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I know you were on the menu. Yep. But what else did you come and discuss uh, with us? The first one I did with you guys was Atlantic Atlantics. and Inside Llewellyn Davis. That's right. Yeah. Then I stuck around and we did the uh, year, year end. end. That's right. Eat beer episode or something that like that. Woo! Then we did the Lynch episode. And yeah. That's right. Yeah. You've been around the block. So yeah, I've been here a few times. This, I guess, is number five. So, so we've had welcome to the five climbers <laughs> so i told you david let's not crowd uh the the beer selections with stuff that we have because harold always brings good shit sure and that was a smart choice to make because harold you have something that sounds yeah, outstanding some, something that a friend of mine adam sent me which he sent beers to us before from the past he's a friend of mine lives in denver adam mikolaj so he sent us a Special beer from Weldworks Brewing out of Greeley, Colorado, and that is uh, Medianoche, which is their kind of like their yearly release they make uh, once a year, kind of like their big barrel-aged stout they put out. They do variants. This one here is a 2016 um, bourbon barrel brandy Medianoche, and this one has been aged in 2016 Woodford Reserve barrels. Now, we did the Medianoche, the, the base yeah. yeah, back yeah. in episode 179 right. alongside Titane. Mm. And I knew that we were trying to get because of the engine oil blood. Or That's whatever. right. That, we're that was trying our to get in a there. big, thick imperial stout for that episode. But this, Herald, is when they take that Medianoche base level beer sure. and do fancy things. So for two years, 24 months. So they'll take the, the same base beer and then either age it longer in certain barrels. This is brandy and bourbon. So we've got to mix the barrels. Oh, wow. Yeah. What is the ABV on that bad boy? Uh, the ABV on this bad boy is 13.4. Ah, off into the stratosphere. We're beginning the joyride, aren't we, Dave? Uh, we are. Well, <laughs> appropriate enough. Yeah, if you're going to take a joyride, you need some blast-off juice. And, or, so, yeah, that, that well, is a juice. like a motor oil. Ice level of uh, alcohol on the nose. Yes. You know what that 13... Plus ABV, it's going to have an alcohol nose. It's going to. Oh, yeah. That, oh, I'm definitely getting the brandy. Yeah. Little of the bourbon, but the brandy's almost kind of overwhelming the bourbon here. It's I, I'm excited. I love brandy it. barrels. Dear, dear listeners, sure. we wish brandy barrels before. There's a couple out there. Apple brandy barrels especially even better, but yeah. it's pretty nice. Yeah. We wish you were here. That was great. Mm. Yes. Well, if you can't be with us here drinking, maybe you're here with us in spirit, having seen uh, this recent 2023 film um, just hit theaters over the past weekend. This, of course, is Joyride. Um, the basic premise here being that we have Audrey, who is a young Chinese-American. I think she's Chinese-American. Jeez, I'm already blowing the spoilers oh, here at the on, beginning. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, 
Chinese American uh, a young woman who was adopted by a white family in the States, grew up with that family, met very early in life a friend who was another Chinese American, but with her biological parents there in the States. They form a friendship. And at this point in her life, Audrey, the uh, the adopted girl, has uh, gotten to where she is a, an associate at a law firm who has the possibility of making a very big business deal for the law firm. I got to love those business deals. We're always vague on the details. Why, why is a law firm exactly excited about some kind? Well, who knows? But, um, but is sent to China um, to do that, brings her friend Lolo, that friend that she met in her in her youth along. Lolo brings uh, her cousin, who is sort of a socially awkward, maybe autism spectrum character, uh, who goes by the name Denai. The three of them make it to China and meet up with Audrey's other friend, Kat, who she had met during her college years and is now a popular actress in China on some sort of daytime television show. Right. Um, And the four of them kind of become this unit that uh, is on the, you know, initially on the mission of getting Audrey that business deal, but that quickly comes to include Audrey meeting her birth mother or tracking down her birth mother, and it kind of becomes this almost road trip film where the characters are trying to make this journey to sort of bring this this family reunion uh, of a family that could never have been. So, And I say all that, and I should put it in the framework of this is a raunchy comedy it is it's <laughs> yeah. built itself as such yeah. i mean the premise could have been handled many different ways yeah. but the idea here um that adele lim and her uh co-screenwriters and i'm but there were there are three of them that wrote this together all asian american women who um wanted to write this film about their experience but kind of bring it into that raunch comedy realm yeah. Of the, uh, you know, the Seth Rogans, the uh, hangovers. And, yeah, yeah. exactly. Very hangover, yeah. 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 especially in the, I think, dynamics of mm. this four person. Yes. Yeah. The screenplay was written by Teresa Sao and Cherry Cheva Pravat Dumrung. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. So both done some television writing. It's like they all have, and, and Lim is probably most famous for having, I think, co written the screenplay for Crazy Rich Asians. Yes which obviously hugely successful yeah. Asian cast film. Yeah. So, so big deal here with this being kind of another of those resurgence of the R-rated kind of raunchy, sexy comedy. Our, our second in three weeks. Right. That's uh, No hard feelings. Right. Um, and I think also notable, obviously, because of the primarily Asian cast and that this was made by Hollywood and that this is sort of being put out in a relatively wide release sure. um, for, for, the, for the masses. I didn't know, I mean, outside of watching the trailer a couple times in the theater and thinking, okay, this might be fun because the trailer certainly was fun mm-hmm. and funny. Uh, I didn't have many expectations and I love it when I go into a movie with low expectations and it does something good. And this movie really, to me, did something good. I lurched forward in my chair laughing hard several times yeah. i laughed a lot during this yeah, movie. Yeah, and when yeah. you're at a comedy something that i realized i didn't do that much of it no hard feelings that was more of a chuckle and uh mm-hmm. you know I, I had some hearty laughs at no hard feelings but but i hear what you're saying i th- i i i think this comedy is is maybe slightly juicier um, oh. and, <laughs> but I guess I could use that euphemistically yeah. and, you know, just metaphorically, sure. but, but the primary thing I think is like, there is this kind of tone and patter between and among the actresses that develops pretty quickly. Yeah. Just sexually charged. You, you can tell that they're going for oh, yeah. the big jokes and the silliness. Now I will say, I think early on in the film, I, I was a little worried. I'm like, I don't know if you've earned my, you know, like sort of going with you on this trip in the same in the same way that you feel like I have. And and I'll and I'll say specifically where like I felt it when Dead Eye first showed up in the airport, and I didn't quite get that character. I knew they were kind of going for the if we're going to go to Hangover, the Zach Galifianakis of the group who's going to come up with some strange thing to say at any right. given moment or wear some weird piece of clothing or something like that. And it, it, those jokes weren't hitting with me as hard. That character actually kind of ended up being more the straight man, you know, in terms of how the jokes unfolded in that group, I think, as it went on. And I can, once that settled in, I felt like I kind of understood it. But I, I think initially 
I had a little bit of misgivings where I'm like, I don't think this the wild card character is quite functioning like they think a wild card character should. How was your um, movie experience? Was the movie theater packed, kind of packed? Yeah, it was decently packed? full. Yeah, was yeah. I would say I would say like maybe a Did you third. Get a lot like of yeah. Crap. Oh yeah. It's some no. I mean, it wasn't as uproarious as I was. I I was one of the well. I was one of the louder laughs. I mean, I did have some outbursts. Oh, I've heard you, Gurney. But I but I felt like I was the guy. Yeah, yeah. For me, I don't know. It didn't really hit that well. I went with Gloria, my wife, last night, and and she she enjoyed it. You know, and it was it wasn't awkward at all being with my wife seeing it. I thought it might be, but it was fine. No, no, no. But. I just for me just felt so kind of rehashed like I'm watching the same movie I've seen a hundred times before uh I didn't get I was almost like cringing laughing to tell you the truth I'm sorry <laughs> okay but you know, is, that, is that a line with your taste on these raunch R rated yeah. films it's not your thing it's, it's, it's not thing. totally my thing I think when I was younger it was probably but right. now that I'm an old man <laughs> <laughs> there were there were a few great comic set pieces some great stuff. if they don't land with you they don't land with you i'm not yeah. saying that but but i think in terms of their the way they're constructed like i think the sex montage was done in the hotel very the basketball team what, these yeah, guys yeah. Where each one has sort of partnered up yeah. with at least one basketball player um for one thing i like the way i i do think this film did a few things somewhat uniquely like i think it is a raunch comedy but i think it is actually doing some things that make it a more sex positive raunch comedy totally. that's see, with yes, and, and sure. one that's not as um I never felt icky laughing throughout no, this movie, no, which I didn't either. I like was, if I was uncomfortable, we've talked just recently when we did no hard feelings. I think the, uh, you know, when I revisit those raunch comedies of my youth, American pie or Forky's uh, hard know, body. or whatever, like they're almost, all, yeah, they're almost problematic. They're problematic. Very disappointing and depressing to me because of how wrong and dirty I feel. Like I used to think that this was all okay yeah. or like this was the, you know, but this film I think, and no hard feelings. I mean, seeing films that are done in a more contemporary mold. And I guess some people might even say, Oh, well, are they wokeifying that? I don't think that's exactly going no. on here, but there's never any sex that I don't feel like is totally consensual. There's never anybody who's being sort of like, embarrassed in, in some kind of way with it like it's all very much forthright and so i appreciate that and the and the humor of that whole sequence being that these women really go for it and they're like really letting themselves experience pleasure or whatever yeah and and how that actually like they do experience pleasure and they destroy the men in the process yeah, yeah. i kind of love that well, joke I, that, I definitely like the fact that it was very empowering yeah women's sexuality and it wasn't it didn't feel exploitive. You mm. know, it felt like we were celebrating women's sexuality. Sure. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. You know? uh, it's a positive message for me. Stephanie Sue, who we love so much yeah. in everything She's everywhere all at once. Because, like, again, yeah, everything everywhere all at once felt like I a little bit of the was the best one. Well, and they were, your character. I think they were well cast as the they, kind of because perfect. they're the, yeah. they're like the characters who are competing to be the best friend of yeah, the main character and who are kind of very similar in, in a right lot of here, ways. We've yeah. seen that in 25 other movies. You know, when exactly. you bring the group together, yeah. Bridesmaids, in fact, yeah. has yeah. this. Where they're going to compete to be the main girl's best friend. Yeah. Yes. But I brought her up because um, her main plot device as this actress working in China that they yeah. all meet up with is... You're the, talking about the other masterstroke comic set piece of the film. Yeah. yeah. And, and let's just, if you wanted to go through them in order, the first is they all find themselves on a train. Uh, Ashley Park's character, Audrey, gets a... She's avoiding... I guess Chinese Chinese in the train yes. because you have to Even walk in taking uh, issue with the triviality of somebody peeling an orange in the car. Right, <laughs> like, oh, I don't like oranges. It's right. <laughs> this is like you, you open up the cabins of this train car and you then join other people. Yeah. And so she joins a white an American who turns out to be a drug dealer. <laughs> And then yeah. forces them to uh, shove the baggies and condoms filled with drugs up uh, up their asses. Painters, rectums. Right, up their butt. Pollens, whatever. Uh, which, yeah. you know, is funny going in. And, and then the another drugs. scene, funny trying to get them all out. That didn't, it wasn't fighting. No. 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 Yeah. Okay, I, okay. Not work for me. Yeah, well, I did. I tried. I was like, yeah, the, the, the magic and the fact that she's not, like, ODing. That's what I'm, but I, I know you got to kind of spend... Yeah, reality yeah. for movies a little bit. It's a comedy. The second set piece that I can think of is the idea when she vomits on 
who is the Chinese businessman that she's the, done with me. Hundred year egg uh, shot. Brian yeah. Chen was nice to him. I like him. He's he's a great comedian. He was good in Megan. He was great. In Megan. Yeah, I hated it. I did not like him. I know. I liked him. He was fantastic here. I thought he was fantastic. Um, a stand up for the third set piece. I mean, there were others. The, the playground, you know, I'm not out of order now. But the yeah. playground that she designs, the, uh, the Malik, Sherry Cola. So, yeah. Right. That one didn't land for me. Yeah. I didn't really I care got about it. Either. I thought it was funny. Yeah. But then um, the set piece that I wanted to get to was the idea that she's lying to her fiance, who is presenting himself. This is the as actress character. The actress character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Engaged to a male character in the same show who wears a Christian cross and is presenting himself as very Christian. Um, and he is, I guess, did she tell him that she was a virgin? I, I'm assuming she told him that she was, you know, pure and sanctified. And then wanted to save herself for save herself right. him. But in reality, she's very sex forward. Yeah. And it turns out has a, um, oh, what's the name of the film uh, with the mask that uh, we did? Uh, oh, 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 the oh, film with the mask? Oh, oh, black and white uh, Japanese film that we did. Oh, uh, uh, Onibaba. 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 Devil mask tattooed <laughs> on her vagina. And everyone in the party knows this. But they do that thing where they go to the, um, the Franks and Beans in something sure. about Mary, Mary. Where there's yeah. a quick shot of genitals sure. in distress. <laughs> Well, they're kind of just there. No, I'm talking about the Franks and Beans. Oh, that, that one. Stuck yeah, in yeah. the zipper. Yeah. I had to get beaten by the Franks. And yeah. knocked up, you know, just a quick shot yeah. of the head, quick thing of the bird yeah. and all that. Yeah. This is a quick shot of the devil on her vagina. Yeah. yeah. And that was hilarious. And and then, well, uh, now, that was that yeah, was after stroke. That was good. got me so hard. Yeah. You've no. become an X-rated podcast. <laughs> That one hit me so hard. No, it, it did too because you thought the joke had been delivered. Now, well, done the exclamation point. Yeah, I tried to laser it. I tried everything. Well, come on, and it's inside me. Cut to a like, like from inside. Yeah. Out. The problem for me with that whole oh, bit, that skit, oh my God, is that my wife told you guys to me that that whole thing was like Chekhov's vagina. He was so <laughs> you knew right away when it said, "Oh, he's a tattoo on her pussy." Blah blah blah. It was going to be. You knew it was going to be a pretty big part of the movie, so you're just waiting for it to happen. Okay, when's it going to happen? Really? No, I totally knew it was going to play a part in the movie. I knew it was going to be a big part of the movie. I did, part. but I thought it was going to come up more as a thing between the two who were competing. Like I, I, I didn't expect it to be like that on social media and and kind of explode the way it did. But I knew it was going to be a pretty pivotal yeah. point of the movie. Uh, yeah, I did not expect it to drop like, during the choreography. Dead Eye is super into K-pop. Yeah, and one thing that was good. Chekhov's K-pop. Yeah, that scene I was funny. That you we, was we saw too. that the K-pop got people got through uh, the airport see, without security. Me, when when I see that kind of stuff, to me, that's lazy writing. That's what I see. We're gonna show you now. Where's it gonna go? Oh, okay. So they're gonna use the same excuse. We talked about recently. The, the apartment. Billy Wilder was a master at setting yeah. up things that pay off later. Yeah, you're right. This, you're right. You know. So for it is for me. I'm, I'm being too critical, probably, of a very simple, raunchy comedy, and that's my fault. I really should have taken a little bit less of a critical view of it and just enjoy. I did enjoy it. But I was sitting here as like a film critic, like criticizing yeah. the movie, and then and that kind of ruined my enjoyment of it. I think well, so. That was that was detrimental to my experience. I think that it's an interesting point you're making. That I think, especially with something like the subgenre of the raunchy comedy, yeah. and I and I'd probably there's other comedy that I might stick in there too, like the slapstick comedy or what, like which you can look at seriously and critically. I'm not saying that there aren't things to be appreciated and understood about those things, but I don't think it serves you well to go in thinking about how is this all put together and what, like wh where is the artistry here? And like, is the pacing right? Like yeah. it, it's more an experience that you want to just kind of give yourself over to and like, okay, are the gags going to come at the right pace? Am I going to get enough laughs to sort of make it feel like I'm that that's the mode that I try to set myself into when I, when I'm seeing something like this. True, but I was being critical and I wasn't really enjoying myself. And then the third act kind of happens and it got kind of deep. Right. Yeah. Well, did so that's well, I'm just gonna ask you go there. Yeah. I, want to go there. Yeah. I just wanted to set up that set piece where Deadeye, who yeah. loves the K pop, gets them through security by creating, yeah. yeah. Oh, of course, so you have yeah. no the passports, blah blah blah. So they do the uh, wet ass pussy, yeah. uh, the four of them with them when they can't rap, but then it turns into like yeah. an Instagram thing, yeah. 
I was that was fun. I was laughing. That that was a fun moment. Well, and the and the lyrics were good too. Like they had doctored the lyric to be more specific to them and a little more humble in terms of like I can't even remember. I wish I had written down some of these lines, but I was enjoying it. I was watching it. And there were just some great little lines in there where it was like taking down a notch, but still going with the wet ass pussy chorus and. I, I thought that was very funny, very well done. Like I said, building to that climax where I hear you, Harold. I understand it was telegraphed earlier, and I did know that it was going to pop up somewhere, but I wasn't yeah. expecting I, it, it to pop up right well. then. It's just <laughs> hilarious, and it we're, like Joe said, that it's a good funny. comparison. The Oni Baba devil. I figured if she was trying to cover the Oni Baba, she would probably grow some hair to kind of possibly. Cover it up, you know. That's a good point, Harold. Let's. It didn't look like a sunflower to me whatsoever. <laughs> What's my motivation for continuing to shave the yeah. horsey during this? Do you think she was talking with Adele Lim behind the scenes? <laughs> okay, and I'll get into it, but yeah. you were headed us, heading us there, Harold. This movie hit me in the side of the head. Yeah. So so I'm over here thinking, is this raunchy comedy? And then, of course, you know, they, they have to flee to Korea because that's the big twist. And I thought it was a great idea. You have this actress thinking she's Chinese. Her whole life is based around being Chinese. Yeah. And all of a sudden now... I'm Korean. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, that was a big little... Turns out that... I should have known because the actress is Korean. Oh, that's interesting. Korea, they often... To the movie, if you're young and pregnant, hiding that to to preserve the honor of your family, they'll ship you off to China to, like, a a birthing house. Yeah, so, you know, they finally make it to Korea, and they're there, and they're trying to find this um, adoption house where the main character comes from. And then they start seeing people reacting to Cat, <laughs> and they're like taking pictures of her. Yeah. She's like, oh my god, I'm so famous! All of a sudden, no, because because you're devil pussy tattoo. Yeah, yeah, and, viral. Uh, yeah. And from there, of course, you know what? Which of course is any movie is going to happen. They're going to fight. They're going to split up. There's going to be yeah. tension. It's, there's going to be the book. you know the whole thing about I'm going to LA. Don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. Lolo. Lo, lo. Well, of course, it's going to come out. So yeah. you knew that was going to happen. But when she finally discovers that her her mother, her birth mother, her birth mother uh, had passed away, and she goes to the house, I you know she runs into Dana Day Kim, which I'm a huge Lost fan. So to see him, I was like, it, oh, it, so it was, cool. It, him, that was yeah. an awesome little cameo, and that was just a very tender, like deep dude. I moment. and was, I was like, okay, this is this is too much. Like, why why am I crying right now? But I, I couldn't stop. It was oh god, it really that's hit me. the it video that the mother yeah. character made yeah. for her because the mother ha- knows yeah. she's terminally yeah. ill and yeah. had made this video for her daughter. Should she ever show up looking for her? And, and yeah, the tragic backstory of like this was totally against her will. Her yeah. parents forced her to give sure. this child up. She, she never stopped loving wanted you. nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it was. One of the most tear-jerking scenes I've seen sure. this year. The film was bookended with them because at the very beginning, we see the two girls um, meeting one another on the playground. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, Chinese family yeah, was just opening scene into the so town. Now it's really really oh, look scene. at all these white people. Kid is going to be alienated. The opening scene is Dave Matthews being like, yeah. I, I was like, I turned air. I was like, what the hell is that? Do you know what like, this is? Now I get it. Yeah. Why? They're yeah. setting white 1990. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started laughing. That so, was, um, was part of the movie for me, honestly. A white couple walks up to them. Can our yeah. daughter play with your daughter? Yeah. It's our adopted Chinese daughter. And they run off in their fast friends. We're setting up the entire film. All our lives, we talked about finding your birth mother. It was the adventure we were always going to have. But then as an adult, she was hesitant. And then all of this stuff, I am adopted. Sure. My mother, yeah. My, yeah. My, yeah. my adopted yeah. mother past in December as you guys know this movie hit me inside of course, totally there were not here like I wasn't but just tears yeah, were coming out that were completely uncontrollable I was with someone I had to grab a napkin quickly to try to hide this disgusting and maybe patreon.com slash spirit and movie podcast we'll get into my abandonment issues yeah. and other you know unresolved mother issues that clearly I have I like this movie so much. I, I well, enjoyed was... it from start to finish. This little twist that was just made for me, yeah. you know, yeah. it was, and not. Um, <laughs> the idea that we get another great film that's filled with a non, you know, a non-white cast. You know, absolutely. The, I love seeing too. that yeah. when it is executed so well. I thought all four of the lead actresses did their parts perfectly, mm-hmm. and Daniel Day Kim, who is so quiet all of the time. Yeah. Was so beautifully quiet uh, in this movie. It was so good. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I think 
had the film done what it did up until that last 15 minutes, I think I would have came out saying like, this is a kind of like I did with no hard feelings. Like this is a good, you know, raunchy comedy. If you're in the mood for something like that, that's not going to weigh too heavily on your uh, psyche and you just want, you know, something kind of effervescent and silly to go see at the theater this summer. Great option. The last 15 minutes kind of shift it into a different gear where I do feel like it earns something above that. And to me, this is, if I'm going to say like, hey, which raunchy comedy does somebody see this summer? I'm going to say see Joyride before you see No Hard Feelings. Let me interject though. So as much as that scene with Dana Day Kim in the house and her in the video touched me, I think they fucking squandered that last part. Mm. Well, going into the fucking restaurant and running in a Lolo was like a bad version yes. of Jerry Maguire. Yes. What the yes. fuck is the this? Display of even, even harkening back to Jerry Maguire, so you had me at high. Yeah. yeah. She gets into the speech on the, on on the, the microphone. I mean, that okay. just made me, my, my skin was crumb. It's just I feel like, cheesy. Did it, I, kinda, it kind of ruined it for me. Did either of you guys feel like, I mean, this film was only, I think, 92 minutes. Yeah, it, was, sure. it, it was a tight it's film, good. which I think makes sense in terms of the pacing for the comedy, and, and it worked well that way. But I think they cut some stuff because I feel like there was some stuff from the family restaurant that should have been built so, up in the beginning so, uh, that would have made... Because when she, um, when Denai first pulls the mic and is like doing the announcement or whatever and it seems like she's trying to mimic how somebody else did it but we didn't really see the other person do it we also well i think she's mimicking the 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 mother right but i we didn't really never saw that yeah yeah i read an article online that apparently i believe the character of deadeye was i believe a lesbian and that part was left out like oh, they, they really? cut stuff out of there. So well, they, they, they kind of hint the writer is asexual, like yes. somebody who is. Well, then I, I actually, read online about the the actual actor, and they are they are non-binary. Okay, right? so that, that kind of makes sense. But I think we also kind of didn't talk about the scene when they finally arrive to the city in China where they think she's from right. originally, and they're with Lolo's family, and that whole <laughs> dynamic, the, the <laughs> dynamic of like being with like. You know, I knew she was Marie. The patriarch of that family is so scary. He was harsh. Wish she had had a little bit more time because the couple lines she gets to deliver were fucking hilarious. The thing is, you know, after hours Patreon, I spent two years working in a restaurant in New York City with the Chinese guys from Shanghai. So I have a lot to say about uh, Chinese culture and Chinese people and kind of getting firsthand knowledge. A lot of that for me rang true. Really? And, and also, you know, being a Colombian American, born American, but from Colombian parents, born in Colombia, when I go to Colombia and I go to South America to see my family, that dynamic exists as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh my God, you've gained a lot of weight. <laughs> you don't do it in America, but in South America, they tell you how it is straight to your face. No, no. It. It's funny. It's I, pretty funny. I have. So that part I enjoyed a lot. Multiple Asian colleagues. Sure. And it's funny to see the stuff that they will say to each other. They will like call out each other absolutely, for their weight in ways that American. Like I'm like yeah. I'm their supervisor. <laughs> you know, when I was their chair, I'm like, yeah. you can't do that. Oh, and he's like, no. oh no, we're <laughs> she's Chinese. I'm yes. Korean. Uh, okay, just don't bring an HR grievance up. But I'm also very happy and excited to see another another film produced by Hollywood that's fe- features you know Asian Americans, Asian people. You know, real actors yeah. from who are either raised or born in America, they're from Chinese descent or Asian yeah. descent. That's good to see. And that don't just fit a singular a mold right. that is, exactly. you know, I mean, there are Asian stereotypes. Of they're course, definitely of playing yeah, with second, those. The second we talk about definitely has a lot of that, I think. Yeah. Uh, this well, one, that, a little bit less, but right. still. There's, but imagery is a pretty overachieving. Well, especially, I, I liked her, uh, I guess her her boss whatever at the uh, the law firm i'm your what do you say i'm your ally yeah everything i'm your ally oh i fired a guy just like it but he was yeah, white that's yeah. right I how he shows good, his ally that was i'm just bit. as cruel to the rest that of was a good, yeah, i thought that was a good bit he was like very safe yeah, uh, very Timothy, simon yeah he was good. who is great in veep and uh, i don't know mm-hmm. he he's he's one of those like funny like comedic supporting player he yeah. usually has to play a jerk so i mean he can't play a a nice guy. The one thing I think that I was disappointed though yeah. is that I wanted to see more of China. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see beautiful vistas. We got a little bit when they went to a uh, tiny bit. Yeah. You see some, but we didn't get a lot of like the glitz and glamour of Beijing. No. We didn't get to see so much of the country. I would like to see more of that. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. that but I imagine that, that's probably budgets and. Well, I think so. Lines. And that, and I guess that's where I was headed is that 
you know, I too celebrate the fact that this film was made and it got out there yeah. um, and audiences are seeing it, but it didn't have a great opening weekend. Yeah. It had a pretty... I think it'll be built on word. I hope so. I think like right that's now, though. I mean, movies right now are having kind of abysmal... They are. I mean, big blockbuster I, thing. I, I mean, think... Look at Indiana Jones last yeah. week. That that wasn't some huge opening you expected to happen. No, that that kind of like a trend. We didn't really talk about box office on that, but that is definitely not done what was hoped for. You know, we'll see what Mission Impossible does. I think the big one that mm. Hollywood is really sort of crossing Barbie. its fingers on is Barbie and Oppenheimer. I think well, think about the biggest movie so far has been what Mario Brothers. Yeah, like that, but that's nostalgia. That's but that's across the board, and Barbie everybody. has that too. Exactly. So, and exactly. it has a smartness to it yeah. that I think will oh, maybe it's gonna be pull in. So, I'm sure it's going to be huge. If it has humor that can resonate with both, if so, it's so, just so right now, betting money, Oppenheimer or Barbie for number one? Oh, Barbie number one. Yeah, yeah I think Barbie. It's got the family yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we will be doing that in two weeks. By the way, awesome. next week on the show is yeah, Mission Impossible. Really, with a very interesting pairing. Really? We'll talk about that. That's later. good. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, back in episode 179, we had this media note yeah. from Weldworks, and it was delicious. And so when Harold brought over a cooler full of beer and said, all right, guys, here they all are. Which ones do you want to do? I said, media noche, please. The uh, This variant, brandy, bourbon brandy, bay, uh, aged media noche, smelled delicious, poured delicious. What do you guys think? Fantastic. These beautiful... Roasted notes of like coffee and chocolate and, and barrel char and vanilla and fudge batter. You look at the glass, it's this unctuous looking legs for days. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful yeah. beer. Dave, I dare you to disagree. Beautiful beer. He used so no, much vocabulary. No, Harold. <laughs> well, not only does he have vocabulary, he has the right vocabulary. He, he says the right things about this beer because I would agree with every single one of those notes that he just listed there. And in fact, he teased out a couple that I might not have. I think there's also like a slight, um, I'm getting like a fruity. I think it's yeah, probably yeah. the brandy yeah, kind of in there. Brandy. There's Definitely something cherry like plum, figgy, cherry kind of plum figgy. Figgy. Yeah, yeah that, for sure. That really is kind of this nice note that just kind of lingers there. Do you guys know what brandy is though? Like what brandy, how brandy is made? It's a fortified oh, wine. Right? It's, it's yeah. wine that's been fortified and fermented, like mm-hmm. distilled wine basically. Right. So like, you're, you're going to get those vinous notes that are right. in there, which is the, the berry, the dark, dark fruit. Yeah. So, exactly why you get that. Yeah. So to me, this is like... Trying to, yes, just but, not sure, but cool trying to go back to my recollection of that media noche that we had, yeah. you know, years ago. No, but I I yeah. feel like I put it more in that you know what I mean? of like side by with just the bait. It was the but base, I, Harold. Well, <laughs> I'll work on that next, next movie. But this is delicious. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no, no, this is a no notes beer. This is a and, making and, this 13.4% right elixir, and I will drink it every time you do. My opportunity to get my yeah. hands on it. Yeah. All right, when we return, there's only one movie we could have paired. That wasn't it? We can talk about it after the break. And we're back. Oh, slipping. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, hey. I don't know if I'm more excited ahead of time to have tried the brandy version, the brandy barrel version of Media Noche, or what Harold has brought for us next. Yeah. So since we're kind of continuing the theme with movies that are Asian-centric, we're going to continue the theme with beers that are Media Noche-centric. Well done. Well done. Midnight in Spanish, by the way. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. Media Noche. So Media Noche, Midnight, are like the famous bread for Cuban sandwiches. We call Media Noche breads. Oh, really? This is the double chocolate variant of Media Noche. We were already getting notes of chocolate in the brandy bourbon that we were just having So this would be interesting because we're going to have a lot more chocolate. Yeah. This has been aged for 24 months oh. in five to six-year-old high rye bourbon barrels. This specific Noche cast expresses rich of complex chocolate character that have begged for a massive infusion of even more real chocolate. <laughs> Conditioned on Guatemala and the Mexican cacao nibs. Enjoy. Oh, Woo. Open it up. Yeah. And, and, and I believe and the ABV on this one is not listed. 
probably another close to, I mean, they, they would go much lower. I'm just going to be probably the same in the same range. Yeah. 13% give or take. So yeah, this is actually a smaller bottle. The first bottle we, we drank was, it was a 25 ounce. This is a 16.9 ounce bottle. So I imagine maybe more limited based on that yeah. format size, that makes smaller sense. release. Right. So kind of spread the wealth a little bit. Very so nice. cheers guys. Thank like you. Chocolate. And oh, I'm gonna, yeah. Oh my god! Pouring oh, oh, actually, you gotta get this on film. This is looking it up. Uh, it actually does go up slightly, closer to fourteen, thirteen point wow. nine Good. on this Dude. one. Chocolate's crazy. Pull it on ice cream right now. <laughs> Harold's right. You don't even need to reduce this look sauce. The, this is. Uh, oh my god! Look at that. That is remarkable. It's a big with a chocolate. That's remarkable. I'm sure you're. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, well, when you're doing Joyride from 2023, it only makes sense. The next film, it's summer break, and college freshman Lewis Thomas, played by Paul Walker, has decided to embark on a cross-country road trip to pick up the girl of his dreams, played by Lily Sobieski. Uh, but their romantic hopes hit a detour when he stops on the way to rescue his older brother, Fuller, played by Steve Zahn, who goads him into playing a practical joke on a lonely trucker over a CB radio. Okay. Now, what? Come on, man. You're reading, you're reading the synopsis for Road Trip. Candy cane. No, Joyride. Joyride. But really. Okay. That would have been a way to go. It would have been a way to go. But we decided to keep it with the Asian cast, Asian director, and we went with a film I have never seen that has flown under my radar, and I am I should completely turn in my card as a movie oh, review on. co-host. How did I not know? Same better luck. Never tomorrow. heard of it. Never seen it. Jeez, that's interesting. Nope. Yeah. It, for me, it was it was right as I was getting into. Well, not right as I, but it was it was as I was getting into like getting to see every film I possibly could at the theater. Like I, I had become a hardcore cinephile and anything that came across. Same. And I was very excited when this one was playing at you know in Portland, Maine, when I was still living up sure. there. Um, because I had heard it was a big hit at Sundance and it was, Never you know, again, notable for having an all Asian cast sure. and, uh, an Asian director. And, the, you know, it was this kind of like new wave of filmmaking. Like, yeah. let's see what the, what's, what's going to be done here. So well, I said it flew under my radar. I understand now why I got all the accolades sure, and sure. attention that it did. Better luck tomorrow, 2002. Uh, I'm going to... Oh, here we go. Here we go. That's two for two for me. An accomplished <laughs> high school student, Ben, played by Perry Shen, seems to excel at almost everything except winning over his dream girl, Stephanie, played by Karen Anna Chung. When he begins an unlikely friendship with trouble-seeking tough guy Derek... Ben becomes involved in petty crime that gets increasingly dangerous, with his various illegal ventures extending to include Stephanie and her wealthy boyfriend, Steve, played by Don, uh, John Cho. Can these restless teens curb their criminal activities before it's too late? No. They don't. Directed no. <laughs> by Justin Lin, as we said, and of course on our podcast with the Although, um, help, assistance, yeah. uh, goading of Carlos, we have dived deeply into the Fast and Furious franchise. We don't know what happens, actually. And of right. course... Uh, Justin Lin uh, it got into the Fast and Furious franchise with Tokyo Drift, and he did all of the films up to Fast and Furious 6 and then returned for Fast 9. Mm -hmm. And then in between those uh, 6 and 9, he did Star Trek Beyond. So yeah. we know Lin. We've talked a lot about his car right. and Vin Diesel-related work. Sure. But this is his explosion onto the scene with a Sundance darling back in 2002. Yeah. Was it John Cho's first film? I don't know if it's his very first role, but it's certainly one of the first one bigger ones. ones. Yeah. So I was doing some research on this. I read about it a little bit, and um, I guess it had, had kind of had some issues uh, securing financing yeah. when it yeah. was coming out. And the golden parachute that saved it was none other than to We legit. Pray. Who? Too Legit to Quit. That yeah. did. MC Hammer <laughs> with a $10,000 investment. Too Thank you, MC Hammer. <laughs> We Yo, appreciate you. You're the best. See You're the man, man dude. He was just spending That's why we pray. We pray just to make it to Justin Lynn hit him at the right time. That's Morning. awesome. If you're going to have an angel, that is pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. That is Hammer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and earlier, um, you know, before we have these these podcasts, Joe and and Dave will have a little side chat on, on Facebook Messenger. And Joe had shared with us a clip of the premiere at Sundance with Roger Ebert and a critic had asked the director, you know, do you feel bad about portraying Asian culture in his negative light? 
and Roger Ebert stood up and like criticized, how dare you? Would you ask that about a white cast? Right? Yeah, yeah. And based on that alone, on that um, speech he gave, MTV came in. Yeah. And they went ahead. Yeah, this and, is the first feature and film that up MTV and, and put it under their moniker yeah. and released it. Interesting. Yeah. Black story. Yeah. yeah, and there's um, are, there are cars in the film. Yeah, uh, and they're not very cool ones. As we talk, as I said in the synopsis, this is a group of overachievers. Overachievers at high school. Well, but okay, yes, overachievers. I'm talking about grades and but academics. But from the outset, and... also overachievers who are almost bored with the overachievement. Right? That... Southern California, affluent. They have a affluenza a little bit. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, some of that. Yeah, I guess we see we do see their first scam that they're liking to yeah. do is to go in with one of their parents' credit cards and or someone's credit card, yeah. and buying a lot of high dollar items, going to the car, getting it for putting free. discount stickers on them, and then returning them and keeping the cash uh, difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure how I think they basically got the cash back, but they got to keep the product. Is that what happened? So they got it for free, basically. Okay, right? that's I was, uh, I, I was yeah. kind of yeah. There wasn't like a money exchange, more like just. We're going to get for free. Right. But as they kind of begin succeeding in this petty crime. They progress. And knowing that they're very smart and and can figure out the angles, maybe, in a way Mm -hmm. that dumber criminals might not and get caught. They steadily throughout the film progress into it was just a matter of time before we started dealing drugs. (laughs) It's like we were making more money than we knew how to spend. And there's hookers and there's drugs. And there's, you know, while all the time they are trying to keep their social status at high school, where trying to put it where they want to put it. I, I am curious, uh, Harold. You, I, I sniffed a little bit of criticism there at the beginning, but I got to tell you, I understand exactly why this film got the buzz that it did. The yeah. energy that Justin Lin sure. puts on yeah. camera here. The idea that he is representing a very underrepresented segment of society yeah. when it comes to yeah. teen high school movies. We've seen Heathers, yeah. and we've seen, yeah. help me fill in the blanks, so these high up uh, brick, perhaps, yeah. of Cape yeah. mm, in high school yeah, with white yeah. audiences. Yeah. That's what I compare it to a lot, Rules of Engagement. Yeah, kind of, I think, kind of I think a, there's a, a lot of that movie. The, I, I can see some of that Avery uh, aesthetic there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he certainly loves... The the fast motion, mm-hmm. the like cut, cut, camera cut. camera movement, nice framing. I mean, it's got a visual style to it From that the beginning, yeah. for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. The problem for me is that the movie shows its age. So oh, no, you're that's right. That's the problem it, for me. This, is like, this it, and plays it looks very like much as a nineties. What's well, two thousand two? Right? Yeah, but it so, plays as a nineties movie. Totally. Even the guys wearing the Jinko. Oh, yeah, Virgil. Is, which Jinko I think thing. is kind of a joke on yeah. him. I remember yeah. laughing at that then. Yes. But yes, you're right. That does but, stand but out. Like a lot of like the, the, the montages, kind of like the, the sped up camera motions, mm-hmm. the 360 stuff is is very derivative of what was happening late 90s. You know, I, what, what, what was. Okay, so you're saying Lynn was derivative when this came out in 2002, yes. probably shot in 2000. I didn't look that probably, up, yeah. but given yeah. the low budget of it, it probably wasn't a quick release schedule from production. For me, for I me, didn't feel that. You know, you know, it's dated, you, certainly. And but, so, well, I think what's interesting is because, you, you know, I think for you, you, Harold, you probably, you haven't gone the Fast and Furious route. No, you haven't I'm gone through so I have only I, seen two or three. I think what's you interesting is me. it's interesting to see how Lynn – and I guess, you know, the few others who have been involved in the series. Well, but have brought some of that visual aesthetic sure. to that even bigger stage and then bringing in, you know, the tools of CGI and all this other stuff to make these truly like impossible kind of images. Sure. But you can see like when I go back and I'm watching Better Luck Tomorrow, I'm like, oh, yeah, but he was like fascinated by that yeah. whole like very kinetic camera. Oh, movement it's a very frenetic movie there's a lot of yeah. action a lot of the cameras but i hear what you're saying it feels like and i remember at the time i had kind of a not negative reaction to it but i was a little bit sad i think to see that oh this feels like i'm taking a movie from the mid 90s and remaking it now for the all asian well, cast you know what? if you remember the late 90s videos on mtv yeah that's what they were yeah yeah. it's yeah. like you're watching a video and well and i get it no but, wonder but, mtv but, but then again but that's what that's what was popular. So he's doing what was what was of the mode, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't diss on him, but for yeah. me, just looking at it now in hindsight, it looks a little bit dated. But what I saw a lot in the movie for me was a lot of cues from like a Fight Club, 
Oh, yeah. A lot of Fight Club. There was like this kind of like faux kind of cheesy Dust Brothers soundtrack happening throughout the movie. Yeah. It sounded like Fight Club, but it wasn't Fight Club. I couldn't afford, you know? Yeah. Right. I'll leave it for The toughest critic in the room. I'm sorry. The best beer. So we're going to let it go. I'm not as critical of this. I saw the energy and it took me about, it took me about a good 15 minutes to lock into what was happening. I was curious from the very beginning, because you're telegraphed the idea that uh, Ben, the guy who is in love with, has has held a flame for from afar the cheerleader, uh, played by Stephanie, played by that uh, Karen Chung, but she's dating what might be an asshole. Oh, totally. Uh, Private school. Affluent. Can he get the girl by being the nice guy? And then I bought into the idea of, will he stop being a nice guy as his crime involvement escalates? Uh, uh, Virgil, the character Virgil, I thought was fantastic. I I thought he did. I mean, the look. The 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 look. Always fucking up the scene when they had the prostitute thing. He's like Timothy Simon in the other film. Like, I see him as a if you're using him as a character i'm supposed to dislike then it's an effective use like it 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 does the thing and i think virgil is the one exactly but then that's what makes it all the more shocking when virgil is the one who's most sort of impacted by where they ultimately end up yeah Yeah, exactly yeah and let's get to it they the the boyfriend uh played by uh john cho Mm -hmm. hires this burgeoning crime crew yeah. To rob his parents' house for reasons I don't think we ever learned. No, nope. he just there's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah, but he is, motivation. We don't know why. He doesn't exactly double cross them, but he hits Ben at that emotional level, and Ben just fucking hits him with a baseball bat. And before we know it, you're kind of jumping the gun there because so right. So the problem is, is he he comes to the crime syndicate and tells me I got a plan here, rob my parents. Well, they say, this guy's a dick. We're going to fuck him up and teach him a lesson. Right. He wants to teach them a lesson. His parents, he wants to teach parents a lesson. We want to teach him a lesson. Those parents are probably very rich and they don't pay attention to him. Woe is me. So I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to hire a crew to come in and rob their house. It's also at that peak of sexual uh, and frustration where he's seeing the friend being abused by the guy. So he takes it out on the guy. The way I'm seeing is they lure him to the meeting. There's a struggle. There's a gun pulled. You hear a gunshot. It goes black. You don't know who got yeah. shot, who's dead. And then you see Ben come in with a bat and beats him to death, right? Yeah. That's what you expect. But I think for me, Ben is seeing him with a gun killing, trying to kill his friends. So Ben's in a defense mode. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't take That's it that That's the way, way I see it. Well, I think there was... Ben's on the defense. I think I the confusion of that moment... There is confusion, confusion in that period. moment. Whether he thinks that he's Ben shot and grazed and he's like gonna knock him out so that they can figure Stop out the, the situation yeah. or he's grabbed the gun and like i think there's confusion and he knows this is the guy who's not on my side yeah. i'm gonna take him out of the, the equation the beating is excessive one hit to the well, head with a baseball bat's all you really there's need. a couple no. of them he yeah, does but couple. that doesn't even finish him yeah. you no. know and, so that's where it gets dark and that i super love that, dark. I I love that good, darkness good. and then i love the guy yeah. that came in Say, oh, this escalates everything. If you want me to get rid of the body, bucks. Yeah, Jesus. their their connection. Yeah, yeah who, who's been stealing me? Buy you like a couple of Starbucks and some gas. So, in, your car. in that bit, where, in the, and to get to that price, they actually have to take the money out of uh, John Cho's wallet, right? Yeah, nice wallet. Which actually, from what I understand, is one of the details that they actually brought. So there is a an actual case from like the early 90s in Southern California, where there was a group of young, very overachieving right, Asian-American yeah, students. It's kind of based off a true story. It is, yeah, yeah, who like eventually like one of the friends in their circle who they felt like may have been misleading them or, or deceiving Funny, them. I've seen this before. Have you ever seen Bully before? That's well, kind of my problem. I sometimes. mean, but... But this is, I, I mean, I hear you. And, is that and, before Bully or after Bully? Oh, look at that. This one is probably right before, around the same right? time, but maybe a little after. Bully is much, Bully's a much better movie. 2001, July Okay, 13th. so look yeah. what's there, huh? No, but they, this is this has been, been in development for which years. would have been a good tie with this one. But it, but it is interesting that that bit and what I've read of that criminal case, it it does sound like, especially that death scene, that the scene where they take. 
is very much like now the scam they they weren't going to rob his parents house that was something that was sort of brought in bullies also based on true stories yeah yeah yeah. so i I cracked a rogue beer what we know is teenagers make stupid decisions so we should kill all teenagers i cracked a rogue beer han the character in this film is the han that's in the fast and the furious films he goes off to japan where we meet him in tokyo drift 2006 so I brought a back pew. Remember a couple weeks ago, David, when Kaylee was our oh, guest yeah. and we pulled the Rogue Beer Bobby's IPA from back pew? I remember pew? that. Another trend in this uh, podcast. It's just a podcast. We're going to Tokyo. Back to back pew brewing. They are out of Northeast Houston. We're going to drink their Hopzuna Juicy IPA. I don't know if it will complement this uh, very rich, decadent scast out. You, you may just be like Gats wrecking out. our beer. And I think that Whoa. as much this beer as we're drinking... Going. I was getting hard in the first half. Now Not so much in the second. Now we're getting <laughs> some, 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 uh, some oh, back into my body. All right. Ooh, okay. I'm doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it's. Uh, I didn't read the can or anything. I don't even know the IPA, David. If you could help, this is back oh, here. Yeah. Ooh, it smells hopping. Mm-hmm. Eight point seven percent alcohol by volume here. Yeah. But but that kind of nice. makes sense for a juicy imperial IPA. How hazy that is yeah, too. Right. Um, so it sounds like uh, of the three of us, Harold, what, what was your verdict, David? Because you were the one that brought no, it to I, the table. And so, you... yes, I welcomed. I was glad when it, when when I put it out there that you guys were interested in doing it, if only because I wanted to revisit it. It's funny sure. because it's a film. I did see it when it came out. I remember okay. being you see it in theaters. Yes. Saw it in okay, theater. Cool. But I remember being kind of lukewarm-ish, like positive to lukewarm. I was like... Yeah, I kind of respect it for what it did, but it feels like it's aping films from a couple years ago. I don't know if it's really pushing anything forward, but maybe it's a good step, at least in the sense that now we have like an all Asian cast film of young folks and that like they'll go on to have careers and and Lynn will maybe make some other film, you know. So there was there was a positive element there, but I hadn't really revisited it. And it's funny because every time we do a Fast and the Furious film and I go to see it at the Alamo, they'll always do the before show, mm. like recap of what do the series does. Reference this movie? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah, they oh, always okay. talk about how this yeah. film is it's now a, canonically. So you get to part. talk about that, how it was kind of retconned. Yeah. What, what's the story behind that, how it became and why? I think it was just that Lin, when he got that opportunity to direct Tokyo Drift, he liked working with Sun Kang and wanted to have him in it. And I think just maybe liked the name and said, like, yeah, I'll just use yeah. the same character name. And, you know, he had a criminal background. Right. But Makes didn't sense. necessarily think like, oh, this is definitely the same guy. But yeah. then once the the series went on and they were able to incorporate Han in again, I think he decided, yeah, yeah, this actually makes sense to just the big YouTube that is rabbit the trail. What's well, the classic marketing tool? Let's retcon and create an origin story it, that doesn't exist, and then we'll just market that. And well, but what I like about right, this one, and what because this, I don't feel like I have to approach it as cynically because look, this is a film that did modest business yeah. twenty years ago. You know, by the time it became like sort of canonical within the Fast and Furious franchise, it was the mid 2000s or 2010s, like 15 years after this film. But this film doesn't do anything for the. It's just a way of sort of bringing this film to a bigger audience, perhaps, which I appreciate Lynn doing that. Like, hey, this oh, yeah. film that I feel kind of passionate about that I did when I was young. Sure, yeah. I want to make sure this it's something his, his that other people film, see. Right? He had a film before this one, I believe. I think he did, but yeah. I, I never saw that yeah, I one. Never- you know, I, I think for me, again, the, the problem is, I said earlier, I'm an old man. <laughs> I know. I'm not a young skipper anymore. If I would have seen this when it came out, I probably would have fucking loved it. This is amazing. Oh, my God. The music. There's like yeah. La Tigra. And there's all this cool yes, stuff yeah, happening. And, good- and these kids are like crazy. And they're doing drugs. And driving fast. And they're having sex. And there's hookers. And there's like drugs. And there's guns. It would have been fun. You know, that was kind of what's happening in that but era. now that's just so- a Tuesday. Exactly. Now it's now I'm an old man and I have a family and it's just, eh, you know. Lynn's first feature was Shopping for Fangs That's in yeah, 1997, okay. which he co-directed with the UCLA film school friend of his, Quentin Lee. It stars John Cho and it's oh, considered so it to be a cult classic among independent Asian Americans. Ooh, I mean, I watch that then. Yeah. Um, but no, but, but if I could remove my, my bias of the Fast and Furious kind of stuff and just the the dating of it, yeah, I can appreciate the filmmaking that happened at, at that time. That was exciting, yeah. You know, and on the scale they were doing it, with but also it, you yeah. know, if you look at the history of, of film, we make bad decisions. You know, <laughs> look at the Oscars. 
You mean Forrest Gump? Goodfellas versus yeah. Dance with Wolves. Are you fucking kidding me? Did we not realize that was a but huge mistake? Yeah. No, I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people probably felt that way then. There's still a lot of people. Dance with Wolves is a good movie, but Goodfellas, are you kidding me? I won't say Dance with Wolves is a good movie. It's a movie that a lot of people love. Forrest Gump? I mean, that's another one that, ooh. Forrest Gump over Pulp Fiction. So so I I think Hollywood and and the public in general tend to make decisions based on, you know, what's current, what's happening. But we can look in hindsight and see, you know what, that wasn't the best decision. Just, Just like some of the language in the movie is not exactly wholesome nowadays. No, because well, things have changed, you know. Right, was it wholesome then? But it was it maybe more acceptable, more acceptable quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. you Even know, if it was marketing. Kind of a problem for me, of course. We can talk about the ending a little bit. So, uh, of course, the the movie ends with, of course, John Cho's character has been killed, and they bury him in this guy's backyard with three hundred bucks. And the opening of the movie is the cell phone going off. They're trying to frantically find this cell phone. Right? Yeah. So it's it's um. Virgil and uh, Ben are yeah. trying to find the cell phone, and they're in the grass. It's four days earlier. Right. You kind of get a recap. It's kind of like a White Lotus. There's yeah. a dead body. How do we get yeah, to the, yeah, the yeah. solution, right? It's this kind of clue thing. After all the movie, you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. What's the payoff? There is no payoff. Well, he gets the girl. Well, No, you don't know that. You don't know what happens. Oh, no, no. She no, does pick him up at the end. But picks him up I, and I, I hear what you say. No? I, I feel yeah, that but, but, but what does that mean? She finds out that he, he fucking killed her boyfriend. He, uh, she's going to dump his ass. The jail. film universe she, here. Yeah, is gonna, think, they're not going to get discovered. I think it's interesting that it, I, hear, I hear where you're coming from. I, I do think it's interesting that Lynn chooses to end with this very morally ambiguous. Dawson's kind of, Creek kind of ending. So that's <laughs> it's, that, it's, I don't it, 1990s wholesome kind of ending, you know. It's like, well, but it isn't wholesome because they, they've isn't. committed murder. Well, we know it's not they, wholesome, but she doesn't know what's not. No, wholesome. she doesn't. You're she right, doesn't but I, but his voiceover is something along the lines of like, you I'm know, going to go on. I don't, I don't know what's exactly. coming next. Like, I don't know what's going to come next. So, like, maybe I'll get caught, but I just got to keep going forward. Well, like, they just leave too many eggs, you know, cooking. There's like, you know, Virgil shot himself in the head, right? So we talk about that. So he he's overcome with grief and guilt of what happened. Because when 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 Ben hits him with the bat, he's not dead. So then he has Virgil hold Derek, him. Derek, Derek, yeah, Derek, Derek says we're Derek, suffocating. Derek basically yeah. takes the gasoline rag yeah. and suffocates him. And Virgil's holding his hand so he can't fight back. Right. And Virgil's overcoming grief and shoots himself in the head. Yeah. And he's like in a hospital. He's not dead. So we don't know what's going to happen to him. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It's just kind of. A little closure would have been nice for me. Let's touch, I, I hear where you're coming from. A little I, bit. I, I remember feeling conflicted about it then when I saw it. I don't feel lazy. I feel it's intentional. I think it's intentional. I think it's intentional. For I sure. think Lynn is trying to be provocative there in the end. Like, I can wrap this up in a neat bow and punish these characters for you. Sure. Or I can just confront you with the fact that this is the kind of thing that's going down among well, the, some the, teenagers, the, the and I'm going to trouble you with this because, again, I'm basing this on a true story. It's true this, to the uh, subtext of the film, which is which which is verbalized a couple of times, and that is, we will not be suspects because we are a stereotype. Yeah, and that stereo- that's that's very true. And that stereotype is basically the Asian overachievers in every high school. Where all we do is study, and, and what and, this and, film is saying is, no, that's not all they do. And the thing that's funny There's is that he is really. <laughs> He, they also do hook. He's really playing on those stereotypes. That's a stereotype. I think he's trying to expose the I think things. I think even he, in the cases where we think yeah. they're accurate, they're not accurate. I think a lot of those stereotypes existed then and do now, but no one really talks about it. Yeah. And he just kind of said, This is this is reality. This is what happens in my culture and my people. This is what we do. Yeah. And we're gonna show you he, he wants to kind of Bring it to more Wait, of which a, part the overachieving in school, all or that, the drugs uh, and drugs. the overachieving okay. in school and being good at, at and and math and whatever it is, you know, these, these stereotypes that exist with Asian Americans that they're overachievers. And he's trying to show you that these people are tarnished, they're not perfect, they're not these perfect right human beings which that are all going to go to Roger Ebert's. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's just like he said, like for you to criticize him for showing this, 
and to say how don't you feel bad yeah like fuck you yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of right. the wrong message to take away from this film is like this is every asian teenager it is yeah. it's it totally not but it is this some and is there a glimmer of that yes like i think what he's trying to do is say look here is the the predominant stereotype that these overachieving asians are like you know these model minority in the united states and you never have to worry about the asian american but in reality, look, there are different, everybody's different. And mm -hmm. even among this group of four characters who we kind of get to know, I mean, I guess we could extend it five, six, if we bring in uh, Stephanie and, and uh, Steve or whatever that, but the the bottom line is that they all have kind of different motivations. Like Virgil's just this, probably somebody who needs some mental health. <laughs> I mean, he's just sure. he's yeah. erratic and making bad decisions. You know, Ben is sort of the most focused wholesome. And, and sort of wholesome yeah, from, from what we see. But he even, you know, obviously has has his... But they're all kind of like dealing with these issues and they just happen to all find each other. I don't know. It, it's But it's when you put a film like that and you try to say like, yeah, but you're representing everybody. Well, that's an unfair burden to, to put onto a film like this. Um, and I think that this shows a range of, of different characters. And I mean... I, I hear it, I understand it, but Roger Ebert was definitely right to stand up against that. I did I did like how Derek was when you first meet Derek, he's like the most like wholesome character. Mm. He's like the president of all the clubs. But in the end he was the most deviant. The most amoral. The most yeah. Yeah, the one that was breaking the rules and was the, in the charge of the whole syndicate. But I can use this stereotype to buck the trends and system behind the scenes. Yeah. And we didn't talk about the scene about um, Ben, or the lead, being the only Asian member of the basketball team. Being benched. Yeah, yeah, that being exposed yeah. uh, in a newspaper story. I don't know. I like this movie. I recommend it. Better luck tomorrow. I think I caught it on Paramount Plus. Yes. You, you know, and I will say the whole thing with them right now in that movie is very relevant to what's happening right now with Supreme Court judge ruling. On affirmative action, yeah. what's happening in schools right now, what's going to happen in the future. So go watch this movie. It'll kind of give you a fresh perspective on Asian culture and what's happening right now with Supreme Court judge rules, for sure. Yeah, but I feel like we learned a lot in this episode, mainly about Harold and, uh, <laughs> and the fact that he does know his beer. <laughs> well, I think we had learned that four episodes ago with him. But I'm yeah. going to post a picture to you guys later on. You're going to share it in your social media? Please. Of my glass. That looks like it was coated like in <laughs> cake batter. This beer is so dark. Thick. Oh my god! So thick. You have to share this bottle with it's, friends. It's crazy. There's no way you could drink I mean, this. Like, this really like, is like liquid brownie batter. Drinking like molasses. Like, oh yeah, it is insanely thick. But it, the, the the chocolate is intensified. It is the it's got more of the uh, like the the baker's chocolate kind of right. Like it's a, not bitter. Not not there's, super there's bitter, a, a but like there's almost like a yeah. chalkiness. But this is not bad. Not not. But you know what? Hint of the Mexican kind of chocolate. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. Yeah. But but that finish is like just chocolate all over the roof of your mouth, over your tongue. Which is funny because having had the bourbon brandy in the first Completely half. Completely different. What I was talking about with that fruit note, not here at all. No. Like I'm not getting that like lingering yeah. sort of stone fruit thing here. It's all about just, just like the this. The roast and the chocolate. Roast and also, chocolate. This, this beer is also way thicker. Yeah. And way more unctuous and way more like. I got way no, bigger right. legs. It's amazing how it's different, different beers. Totally how different, different beer. the the thickness is. And yeah. I can see why it's in a smaller format bottle and why it's oh, more yeah. of a limited release because it's something that's very special, that's extremely decadent. They can't be just drunk by one person. No way. Be. The double chocolate yeah. media noche. Thank you so much, Al, for bringing. My pleasure. Me. Thank you, Adam Mikolash. So as we said, we are going to go into after hours where I've been writing down everything that we intend Good on you, talking Joe. about. Oh, yeah, wait. And let's give Back Pew the proper due. That rogue beer sometimes gets shortchanged. Back Pew Hopzuna Tanuki Volume 3. It's their juicy IPA. I'm looking for the ABV. I'm stalling while that was I the point, the ABV. I read it earlier. 8.7. There we go. It, it is, uh, we said at the top when we opened it up, very hoppy on the nose. Yeah. I like this very much. Very much. Very much. Yeah. yeah. Super good uh, hazy that just does what a hazy should. But it's funny to be drinking it alongside such a hefty imperial double chocolate barrel aged sure. stout where 
it feels like this light palate cleanser that right. I'm having in no, my think you need this beer to <laughs> like it it kind of cleanses your palate for the next taste, but beautiful hops, beautiful aroma, and getting like pineapple and getting mango. Yeah. Our second visit a little to bit of stone the you they're two for two. Man. Beautiful. They've done the, the aroma is, is succulent too. Yeah. Delicious. Great job, back Pew. Yeah, Great job, good. Worldworks. Thank you Love very it. much for your contribution. They, I, know, I know you and Kaylee were talking about it. They're New in Austin, Austin, right? right? Yeah. New, newer bird. I've never heard of Inverted Church. Porter, Texas. Yeah. Porter. Texas. Oh, where's Porter? at the beginning yeah when i opened up the rogue beer the back pew was from austin i almost want to like go back and put in northeast houston um, north of houston. north of we're, we're talking north, north right. of humble yeah. up yeah. up 69 okay, okay. You know, so there you go that that's the uh, raunchy comedy tie in there uh, <laughs> but i'm gonna start letting people know because the best thing about beer in a movie what's that is that the conversation does not end here. Oh, you can find us on social media. We're there on Facebook at facebook.com. I'm not even going to give that thing, but you, you know where we are on Facebook. On Instagram, you can find us. Our handle there is at Beer in a Movie. You can go to our website, beerinamoviepodcast.com, for some nice curated lists of our episodes, as well as the link to our Tee Public store, where you can find various forms of merch. And you can join our chat on Discord under the name Beer in a Movie. The conversation continues. If you're having trouble getting on there, just ask us for an invite on those other social media platforms, and we will be happy to send it your way. Are you guys on threads yet? No. <laughs> Twitter can suck it. See you, Twitter. Well, we've also mentioned that we're going to extend this part and lots of parts of the conversation ourselves in our Patreon subscriber-only After Hours bonus episode. Please sign up at patreon.com slash beer in a movie podcast. Five get, bucks a month. Do get it. Get into that. Yeah. Love to have you there. Guys. Make it happen. Port also, we know you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, but before you leave, won't you please rate us and leave a review? We hope you'll make it five stars so that the algorithm can do what it do and put us out there as an option for more listeners. You've just experienced another raunchy and maybe morally ambiguous episode of beer in a movie. Until next time. Why don't you eat a dick? Eat a big or a small one. Whatever you like. <laughs>